All season long, you've been laughed at, crapped on. Now you got a chance to spit it back in their faces, and what do you do? You're out there like a bunch of dead fish, not listening, bonehead plays, mistakes. I mean, don't you want to beat those bastards? A team of misfits and their alcoholic coach somehow make it to their Little League's championship game. Special guest Eli Noah joins us to talk about Tchaikovsky's middle name, the price of Rolling Stones tickets in 1976, and Walter Matthau's resting grumpy face. Then we find out if the Bad News Bears stands the test of time. James and Allen have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with the glut Allen says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Allen have their say The movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Allen have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello everyone and welcome for the 301st time. I'm James Brief with the Test of Time podcast and joining me once again is Alan Noah. How you doing, Al? I am doing very well and we are both joined by another Noah, my son, Eli Noah. Welcome back to the show, Eli. Hello. Hi there. How are you doing today? Good. Well, I know because I spent the whole day with you because I'm your dad. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You have kids, Al? I think I've mentioned it once or twice. And you've met Eli. He's been on the show before. He came on with your sister, Joanna, to talk about UHF. And fairly regularly since then, you have been asking, when can you come back on? And you wanted to talk about the Bad News Bears. Yeah. Why? Because I really like baseball, and I really wanted to see this movie, but I've never seen it. And interesting, you picked the 1976 Bad News Bears, whereas there was a remake made in 2005 that would qualify for our podcast. Well, yeah, but I figured I might as well start with like the original movie. Good. I like that attitude. There you go. And the remake is not called The Bad News Bears. The remake is just called Bad News Bears. They dropped the the. Nah, like uh, Facebook did. Right. And that movie, we watched uh, Flight of the Phoenix. The one we watched was the remake, and it was just Flight of the Phoenix. But the original one from the 60s or 70s, I think, was The Flight of the Phoenix. What's the new Batman movie called? The Batman. That's all they did. They just added the word the. You know, this film was actually part of a franchise. It had the Bad News Bears. Mm -hmm. It had the Bad News Bears in breaking training. And then the Bad News Bears go to Japan. There was also a TV series, The Bad News Bears. It ran for one or two seasons, 1979 to 1980. Right. And, you know, for me, I guess as a kid, the archetype of all the sports films of, you know, bad team suddenly gets good through some inspirational something or other. For me, it was always the Mighty Ducks. And was there something in your childhood that was like the sports film that you remember? No, not really. Uh, I don't think there's been a major, you know, aimed at kids kind of movie like this in a while. You like The Sandlot, which is a kids playing baseball movie, but it's not that kind of formula that you're talking about, James, where it's like the ragtag kids are bad and then they come together and go to the championship and win. That's not really what The Sandlot's about. So why don't we just remind people who haven't seen the movie what it's about. Uh, It's about a Little League baseball team called the Bears, and the team was created after no other team in the league would take any of their players. 
and the coach is Morris Buttermaker, a former minor leaguer who is now an alcoholic has-been slash pool cleaner. And at first, the Bears are pretty terrible, but after some inspiration and a few skilled recruits, they begin to make a play for the championship. So this movie, I have to assume, was successful enough because, like we said, it spawned two sequels and a TV show. Yeah, and this is the kind of film that's incredibly cheap to make. I mean, the film is sold not on any stars. I mean, it's sold on the concept. And, you know, you have child actors, so it's going to be incredibly cheap. You have two named stars. Uh, you have uh, Walter Matthau, mm-hmm. and he was apparently paid uh, $750,000 plus 10% of uh, like the gross or something. Wow. And then uh, Tatum O'Neill, she is the pitcher in this film. And she was actually quite a big star because of, uh, you know, this film. Uh, well, eventually we'll review it, probably. A Paper Moon. That's the film that she's famous for. with her, I, th- I think it's her father, Ryan O'Neill. Uh, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, and uh, she was also in a movie called Little Darlings that I've never seen. It's also like a coming-of-age type movie. And I only know of that because I think the very first TV show I ever worked on at VH1 was called 50 Greatest Teen Idols. And one of the teen idols was Tatum O'Neill. And I remember like we had to track down that movie poster from Little Darlings. Yeah, and the two of them were the only big names in this film. Nevertheless, this film did gross $32 million back in 1976. So it, it, it was a big deal. Wow. And Eli, you hadn't seen this movie, but where did you first hear about it? Um, I don't know. I think I just like probably just like heard of it like off the internet or something. I don't know. It was just like a baseball movie and like I kind of like like watching baseball movies. Okay. Okay. Um, so when the movie first starts, the very first thing that you commented on, Eli, was uh, the way the kids were doing sit-ups. Oh, yeah. So at the beginning of the movie, you could see like two probably like extras i don't think they ever appear in the rest of the movie but they're like doing sit-ups and in sit-ups you're supposed to like prop like your knees up but their legs are just like flat out straight they're doing sit-ups but it's not really that good because in sit-ups you have to like put your knees up to work out your abs right right and now that you're like more into physical fitness you don't appreciate kids doing uh lazy sit-ups yeah I kind of didn't notice it because you're right. It is not like a thing that the camera really focuses on. It's more about Buttermaker and he's like drinking beer while driving, a thing that he does a lot in this movie. There's another guy. You quickly see this kind of bad boy looking guy in a Harley Davidson sort of dirt bike. And he quickly uh, rides off. And also I noticed the music of this film. It was classical music. Did you notice it's all one guy? Well, the first thing that caught my ear about it was that it all is music from Looney Tunes cartoons, because I think they used to do a lot of like classical music. Well, what you recognize is you recognize Peter and the Wolf. That was right in the beginning. This is all from uh, Tchaikovsky, uh, Peter Ichich Tchaikovsky. The reason it's always used is because this stuff is so good, but also it's so free. So, you know, anyone can use it. I definitely had that thought that it was a low budget movie and they could use this music for free. What was his middle name again? It's like itch itch. It is. Look it up. I'm telling you. It it, it is. And you know, I'm not gonna look from, it up. Far be it from me to mispronounce a word, but I, of course, I think it's like Peter, like spelled like the Russian way, Pyotr. It's like itch itch Tchaikovsky. I believe you, and I'm not gonna bother looking it up. But 
There was also an interesting line about how the team was formed because of a class action lawsuit. And someone's like, oh, these class action lawsuits are going to ruin this country, which I thought was like kind of like an interesting take from this movie about kids playing Little League, you know, and an alcoholic coach. I feel like that's kind of a thing that has stood the test of time. Like frivolous lawsuits are bad. Although I guess in the case of this movie, it's good because otherwise this team wouldn't exist. Yeah, the reason they mention that is because there's some guy on like the local city council and his his son, uh, he wasn't able to get in any team. So, you know, with sort of good intentions, he's like, well, let's make another team in the league. And so that's how this is formed. Well, very early on in this like first practice, one of the kids hits a ball and it slams into Buttermaker's windshield. And this was, I think, the first moment in the movie that definitely rang true for me because you remember that game last summer, right, Eli? Yeah. When it was someone on the other team hit a foul ball that slammed right into my windshield. And like the second I saw that ball go up, I was like, that's going to hit my car, isn't it? Yeah. And then it's like a running gag in the movie that he never gets his windshield fixed. But uh, as a father of a little leaguer, that can happen. And that really sucked. It took like weeks before they could replace that. I think it was like a COVID supply chain thing. Oh, that that happened to us once. A uh, friend of the show, uh, Mailer uh, and Darren, they were having a catch one time and threw a baseball right through the windshield of friend of the show, Uri's uh, rear windshield. I do not remember that. Um, I mean, insurance paid for it, but it was just annoying, you know, driving around for a couple of weeks with that thing and the windshield. But we should also talk about the one line that we've got to talk about when one of the kids is describing the team of misfits, but he doesn't use the word misfits. He refers to them as a bunch of Jews. And then he says some very, very bad words that you're not allowed to say. The S word and the N word, uh, the S word describing someone of Latino descent. And as a father, I immediately paused the movie and told you, Eli, don't say those words ever. Right. And you did know that. Uh, of course, you knew that before I paused the movie and, and said that. But that was like really shocking to me because this is a PG movie. Yes, this is before PG-13 was a thing. And, you know, you could get away with a couple curse words here and there in the old days, you know, in a PG movie. It's supposed to be like, oh, this kid is just saying things that a kid isn't supposed to say. But I was pretty shocked at that line. I mean, I'm not shocked. I mean, we've talked about this before, that in our childhood, the F word meant a completely different thing. And you could clearly say what today is known as the F word, a very bad word for, you know, a gay person. And today you could say the F word that rhymes with duck and you can't say the F word that is a derogatory word for gay people. I don't think people like that they said these things, but I think if you asked a, a group of concerned parents about this film, this would not be the line that they would be talking about in 1976. I, I mean, I completely agree with you, our sensibilities today. Yeah, I mean, just from a 2022 perspective, also they do use that F word later on in the movie. They do, and I mean, that, that's right to the point. Like, that, I think, is almost like a throwaway, because they don't even, like, stop and, like, go, whoa, to those things. But it's like, when the little kid gives them the finger or says, the you know, all these curses, like, that's the big deal. And you're right, it's the big thing of this film that's really, you know, does it stand up, is the language. And it's just interesting what is the worst language in this film. 
Did this movie teach you any words that you didn't know, Eli? No. I don't know how I feel about that (laughs) as a father. But there is one kid that keeps saying crud a lot, and I think that's cute. That's a curse word. I mean, air quotes curse word that doesn't really stand the test of time. Like, does anyone your age say crud? No. To me, that's kind of like, aw, it's adorable. The kid saying, you're full of crud. No. That's weird. (laughs) It's weird, but it's from the 70s, man. I don't know. You know, one of the jokes that I think is pretty funny in this film is that, uh, you know, like any baseball team, you got to get a sponsor. And, you know, this guy, Buttermaker, he's not going to go into the, you know, the local hardware store, the local pizza joint. That's where you're probably going to get a sponsor. He goes, I guess, to the business that he's familiar with. And he gets uh, Chico's Bail Bonds to sponsor the team. And, you know, it's not an over-the-top uh, joke. That's not like, oh, we got some, you know, adult store or something that's inappropriate. I think it's actually a really funny joke because it, it's a legitimate business, but it's something that should have absolutely nothing to do with a little I, I think it's a good joke. I agree that it's a, a very funny joke. My old roommate in college used to talk about Chico's bail bonds a lot. And bail bonds are still a thing, I guess. Like, we don't see a lot of businesses around here that advertise, you know, bail bonds. Uh, you didn't know what bail bonds were, right, Eli? No. It's still a thing. I mean, yeah. you just don't see it around here. Yeah, exactly. Also, though, when Buttermaker finds out about the sponsors that he needs to get, that is at a party before the season starts that is held at a pizza hut, which is one of several blatant uh, product placements in this movie. There's another scene where they all eat McDonald's after a game and it's like, oh, hey, did you get my McDonald's hamburger? Yeah, I love your McDonald's hamburger. A lot of food companies in this movie. Another scene, which I would love to say is a test of time thing, but unfortunately it still happens. In the next scene that you do see uh, the coach with his in his convertible, he's taking like the entire team, like nine kids all in a convertible. And unfortunately, that still totally does happen today. Yeah, I had that same thought watching that scene of like, oh, dear God, that is a horrible thing. Did that look fun? No, not really. I mean, also the guy driving is like drinking, so. (laughs) And they point it out, too. They're like, you shouldn't really be drinking while you're driving. I mean, at least back then they were able to point out like a dumbass, like this is dumb to do. Right. I mean, that's a nice thing. Having a minivan is you can fit the whole Little League team in without them like literally hanging out the side of the car. Yeah. Now we get to the first game of the season. As expected, this team is horrible. Uh, They have no coaching. They have really, they've done no practicing. So they don't really know what they're doing. And they wind up having to forfeit uh, when they're down 26 to 0. Not just 26 to 0. I don't think they made a single out. Yeah, it's in the top of the first inning. And there's always a mercy rule. Like in every little league that you've played in, right? Yeah, there's always a mercy rule. I mean, what's the most it is? It's like 10 runs? What the Mercy Girl usually is, is that if one team has 10 more runs than the other team, and that one team does not get any runs in that one inning, then that's a Mercy and the team wins. Gotcha. So this never happened in any of your leagues where one team scored more than 20 runs before the other team had even recorded an out. I'll ask you this again later, but as someone who's played baseball on Little Leagues, was there anything like at this point that kind of felt familiar to you, Eli? Um, not really. No? Not yet. Okay. Okay. The dad of the kid who arranged the team, he wants them to disband. A bunch of the kids are like, yeah, we should just call it quits. We shouldn't really be a team. 
Tanner, who's the little hot-headed kid who, like, picks a fight with everybody, he doesn't want to give up because, you know, he just is a fighter. And apparently he got into a fight with the entire seventh grade when they were making fun of him because of the game. But Buttermaker has been told to break up the team and quit the league. But he decides, no, he's going to keep going. This is one of the few times when he has an opportunity to drink a beer because he keeps a cooler in the back seat of his car. You notice that in the back of his convertible? Mm-hmm. After he's told to disband the team, he picks up a can and he goes, no, I'm not going to drink and drive this time. And he throws it in the back seat of the car. And it's like, it's a decision by the director to show you this is one of the few times he does not drink. Right. And then he tries to recruit this girl he knows, Amanda, and that's played by Tatum O'Neill. At first, I thought that maybe it was his daughter, like an estranged daughter situation, but it's not. It's just the daughter of a woman he used to date, and he used to train her, and she knows how to pitch. He basically gets her to agree to join the team using some reverse psychology of like, oh, yeah, you're past your prime anyway. You peaked two years ago. Girls peak at age nine. You're not going to be any good anymore. And then she wants to prove him wrong and... She has a hell of a curveball. Once he has Amanda on the team, the team does better and they don't give up so many runs, but they aren't able to score any runs. So they need to have some offense too. I did like that, that they didn't instantly turn from bad to good. I did like that there's a slow progression here and they've solved the defense part. They have a pitcher now, but you're right. They they don't have any offensive uh, capabilities. And there has been this guy, Kelly Leak, who's the badass uh, motorcycle dirt bike guy it's a harley davidson dirt bike it appears to be he says i ride a harley and it's a very small harley it almost looks like it's a harley made for a kid i maybe they made dirt bikes i have no idea but uh amanda winds up uh saying a couple things to him which inspires him to join the team well she challenges him in a game of air hockey to join the team and if she wins he'll have to join but she loses, he wins, and so then she agrees to go on a date with him to a Rolling Stones concert. And at that point, it's like, okay, I could maybe buy that this like 12-year-old kid has a Harley Davidson. How does he afford Rolling Stones tickets? Like, because I think they're like $4. In 1976? Yeah. No. Rolling Stones concert tickets are the most expensive tickets you can buy now. And yeah, they're, you know, legends now. And like the fan base has aged up too. But I have to assume those tickets were more than $4 in 76. Ticketmaster didn't exist. I don't think so. That's true. So they didn't have all of the fees. And also, would he be a big Rolling Stones fan? Maybe. A general admissions, uh, the ticket to the receipt of the Rolling Stones, July 4th, 1975, in the Memphis Memorial Stadium, 10 bucks. Yeah, that's 1975. This movie takes place in 1976. It's, it's released in 1976. It probably takes place in 1975. Mm, whatever. But he eventually joins the team when like one of the other coaches is kind of mean to him. Did you recognize the actor, by the way, who plays Kelly Lee? I, I already knew this. Yes, uh, it's Jackie Earl Haley. It's interesting because he is like this, you know, heartthrobby, teen beat kind of uh, kid in the in these films. And now he's he was Freddy Krueger in the remake. He's a brilliant actor. He was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, this guy was in nothing for like thirty years. He was in like 
horrible stuff like Maniac Cop 3 or something like that. And and then he winds up doing a small indie film maybe like 10 years ago and he's nominated for an Academy Award and then that leads to so many things. Uh, one of his biggest roles, I guess, was... Um, Rorschach. Yeah, yeah, Rorschach in uh, Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And he, he was in uh, Robocop remake. He's been in a lot of stuff, you know, really picked up his career again. Yeah, I wouldn't have recognized him just from seeing him as a little kid. Oh, I wouldn't have recognized him at all. He was one of those whatever happened to kind of guys. Right. Something this film does not have that I guess most of the formulas usually would have in it, it almost hints as if it would, but there's no romantic subplot in this film. Usually either there's some kind of little romantic subplot among some of the kids, or maybe in the Mighty Ducks they also did, like the coach has a romantic subplot. What what do you think of that? Or did you notice at all? Um, I just thought it was better that, that like they focused like more on the baseball. Less kissing, more pitching. Yeah. There you go. But there is a romance between Amanda and Kelly. I mean, there's cer- certainly flirtations, but not uh, not like a modern film would have. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You know what this film does have that every sports film does have and must have? A montage. A montage. Yeah, you see them get better and they're learning. And I actually thought this montage was good because they actually do talk about like baseball things. Like when Buttermaker is teaching them how to field, he says, you kneel down in front of the ball. And that way, even if you don't catch the ball or stop it right away, it's going to bounce up and hit you in the chest. It's still in front of you. You have a better chance of then throwing to first base or whatever and getting the runner out. Like that's actual coaching. Well, I think um, what he did was that he said to do it the wrong way because what he said was to kneel down and put your knee in front of the ball. But what you actually want to do is like lean down and get your glove out because if you're down, like kneeling down, then it's much harder to throw from like shortstop to first base like really quickly if you're down on your knees. But if you're standing up then you have much better accuracy and you can throw it way farther that's true was there any other bad baseball advice that buttermaker gives i don't really think so no they have no first base coach on this team there's a clear shot later on you know which one i'm talking about where one of the kids gets a really good single and he runs to second base and is easily picked off at second base any first base coach would have told him to stay so they have very poor coaching on this team a first and third base coaching well there are no assistant coaches it's just buttermaker it should be another player though whoever just batted should be the first and third base coaches fair point i was thinking of it because I have never coached Little League, but I have been an assistant coach on a couple of your teams. I was a first base or a third base coach a lot. And you're 100% right, James. You do need somebody there who's going to tell the kids, no, no, stop. Although, to be fair, as a guy who has done that, there's like a 50-50 chance of the kid actually listening to you. There are plenty of times you'd be like, no, stop, stop, stop. And the kid just runs to second or you're at third base and the kid just you know, makes a turn and runs home. And then they're out. And you're like, I told you to stop. And the kid's like, mm. you know, because they're kids. Yeah, yes. In the like peewee league, I guess you get to do that. If you do that in high school, Eli, you are going to get benched the following game. But uh, th- this seems to be one of those everybody plays leagues, which is, which is good. At this age, yeah. But Buttermaker is insistent that they're going to make it to the championship game. And they do. And... Just in terms of like runtime, I feel like it's a, a 
about an hour or so into the movie when they're at the championship game. The final scene of the movie, the championship game, is like 30 to 40 minutes. It's a big chunk of the movie. I was surprised we were this quickly at the championship game. I I thought the same thing. I was like, is this like a 75-minute film? Because it could be. It clocks in at a normal, like, what is it, like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they spend a lot of time in this last game. And the last game is against the Yankees. And that's the team they played in the very first game when they, you know, had to forfeit when they lost 26 nothing. And the Yankees are evil in this movie and in real life. In any context, that statement is true. We're all in agreement here. Yeah, the Yankees are evil. And they get into a brawl pretty quickly, you know, both teams, uh, the Yankees and the Bears. We also should mention that all of the other teams in the league are named after real baseball teams. There's the Yankees and the Mets and the Athletics, and the Bears are the only team that aren't named after a real baseball team because they're the outcasts. But like both coaches, uh, Buttermaker and the evil Yankees coach, are playing really hard and really aggressive, and they both really only care about winning. At one point, one of the Yankees players like slides directly into Amanda when she's covering at home, spikes up into her chest. Buttermaker said, hey, we play hard, but we're playing fair. No, no, no. The Yankees coach said that. Okay, all right, fine. But do you think Buttermaker was playing fair? No, he was playing so dirty. What was he doing? He was doing something that blatantly was cheating, too. What was he telling one of the kids at home plate to do? Totally cheating. To lean into the ball to get hit, to walk. Absolutely. Not only is this illegal, but you know, this is not softball. This is not slow-pitch softball. This is overhand pitching. He's telling some 11-year-old kid to basically walk in at face level, you know, at face height, to walk into a fastball pitch just to get a, uh, you know, a walk. And uh, not a walk, you know, a free uh, base, which is horrible coaching, but also you know, really kind of a dick thing to do. Yes. Sorry about that, Eli. Don't teach him more bad words. He learned enough in this movie. Oh, teach him? Oh, oh my God. I'm sorry. I just taught you that word, Eli. Yeah. Uh, Also, he's well aware that Amanda has like Vaseline on her cap and is using that as she's pitching. And the Yankees pitcher is the coach's kid. And he is told to intentionally walk one of the bears. And he doesn't. He throws at the kid. And then the coach walks out onto the mound and smacks him. And it's not the first instance in the movie where an adult, like, roughs up a kid. Kelly gets pushed around and some of the other kids get kind of knocked around. But this is a first, like, full-on smack of a kid. This is also where Buttermaker realizes he doesn't want to be like that coach. He decides, hey, you know what? We're just going to have a good time. It doesn't matter if we win or we lose. We're just going to have fun. He doesn't decide that. He yells at the kids in the dugout. And he's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Basically, when I tell you to cheat, you cheat. Because he's like, we finally have a chance to beat these guys. And then he's like, "Uh, all right, just do your best, everyone. Like You could clearly see there is a turning point. But he he has to hit his low first. Well, he asks him. He's like, don't you care? Don't you want to beat these guys? And none of them say yes. They're all just kind of like, eh. Like, they don't really care. Like, the Yankees care about winning. These guys really don't. Uh, But then once he puts in all the other players, then they're kind of like, why are you doing this? Then we're going to lose. And it's the bottom of the sixth innings. They only play six. And the Bears get two outs really quickly. 
and then they start coming back and you think maybe they're going to win and they come really close. The tying run is called out at home. It's Kelly. You know, he's going for an in-the-park home run and he's tagged out at home. But the Yankees win and throughout the whole movie, whenever a team wins, they do a chant, two, four, six, eight, who do we appreciate? And they say the name of the team that they beat. At first, I thought that that was just like, sarcastic and mean i think it was meant to be like good sportsmanship but then it just kind of comes across as nasty what did you think about that eli um i thought that it was pretty mean i thought that it was saying like oh thanks to the other team for like letting us win yeah that's how i took it but then it was only at this part of the movie where i was like oh maybe they mean it in like uh They're trying to say, we appreciate you guys for a good game, but it didn't really come across that way. Oh, I thought it was just one of those good sportsmanship. You line up and shake hands with the other team. You never want to hear that from the team that uh, beat you. You know, good job, losers. You know, you don't want to hear it, but uh, it's something that they do. A, this breaks the formula of, you know, they don't win. And B, there is the other part of the future formula, which is, you know, um, Karate Kid. Daniel, he he beats the, the Cobras. And what does Johnny Lawrence do? He comes, he gives the trophy to Danny and goes, you know what, LaRusso? You're all right. And, you know, that's something that happens where they go, you know, we never really thought you guys would beat us. But, uh, you know, you gave us a good run for the money. The Yankees kind of like, apologize like we were kind of jerks to you all season long i guess we shouldn't have done that you played a good game we're sorry and then tanner who is like the hothead kid is like do you remember what he says eli uh i think he said that like that was like a ton of bull crap and that they didn't actually mean it yeah he actually said take your apology and shove it up your something i won't say the word because i don't want to curse in front of you but you know what it is yeah um and then it's like and we'll see you next year like we'll, we'll get you guys next season and i asked you this before but i'm going to ask you again eli at this point of the movie does any of this feel familiar yeah what happened to you that feels familiar to this part of the movie one year i had this baseball team it wasn't like a ton of kids that were like handpicked i guess and so We made it to the championships, but then we lost. That's right. And do you remember the name of the team you lost to? I think it was like the Reds or something. I don't know. I thought it was the Yankees. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. I could be remembering it wrong. But yeah, that team was built to win the championship. They handpicked every kid on that team because they were the best at whatever position. And you guys were kind of like, you know, the kids who are trying their best I was an assistant coach that year. You know what the head coach and the other assistant coaches called our team? What? The Bad News Bears. Because you guys were this ragtag group of misfits, but you made it to the championship game and it was awesome. And yeah, you lost, but who cares? Like the fact that you made it to the championship game was really, really awesome. And I kind of like the fact that in real life, it was still a win. And in this movie, it is still a win. You got there. You played a great game. You made it to the championships. That's awesome. And I I kind of like that they don't just win because that's what you expect from a movie. I appreciate that. And the second one, they totally just win. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm not particularly interested in watching the other movies. We did get a four-disc set from the library, so they're downstairs. If you want to watch them, we could. I saw on IMDb they all have, like, really bad, like, ratings I think they're like 3 out of 10 or like 
four out of ten or something like that. I feel like the third one is even by like 70 standards is incredibly low budget. Like I feel like I vaguely remember that there's only a couple of the kids left from the first film. I just remember it being really dumb. Well, Walter Matthau and Tatum O'Neill don't come back for the sequels. Jackie Earl Haley, he comes back for all three, but I think most of the other actors don't. But because we're at the end of the movie and because you are a very special guest, Eli, and because it is very late for you on a school night, I will ask you first, do you think the Bad News Bear stands the test of time? No. Well, I did like this movie. I just don't think that all of the stuff in the movie like stands up today. Is there anything specific? Well, I think that some of like the language that they use like isn't really as accepted i guess as it was back then Mm -hmm. and also like some of like the references aren't like like the bail bonds and all the other stuff it just doesn't really stand up like 50 years later which i guess you can expect what about in terms of the baseball players that they talk about they talk about ted williams and uh, hank aaron you know who those guys are yeah but you know them because you're really into baseball And maybe some kids your age who like playing baseball, they might not know who those guys are. Yeah. I think that's a valid point. Are you interested in watching the the sequels and or the remake? Uh, I don't think I'm going to watch them. Okay. James, what do you think? Do you think the movie stands the test of time? You know, when you say, I don't think that these are as acceptable, I would completely agree with you in a movie. But unfortunately, I I don't agree that kids don't say these things anymore. Hopefully your friends don't say it, but um, the reality is kids are still saying these, if not similar things, worse things, contemporary versions of how bad this is. Something I did really like about this film is that it's a little bit more realistic in some of this stuff. Yeah, these kids, A, they don't completely turn around in their athletic ability. I did like that, the progression. I like that they didn't make a big deal of Tatum O'Neill's character being a girl. That definitely could have been an, you know, an unnecessary subplot that would have gone exactly as you expected it to go. And they didn't waste so much time there. There was a kid that didn't really speak English. They could have done worse on that. All that being said, the 2005 remake, I actually think fixes a lot of the uh, a lot of the things that were wrong with the 1976 uh, film, and it kind of just updates the horrible potty mouth that the head coach has. This is uh, Billy Bob Thornton as the coach. This is not a democracy. It is a dictatorship, and I'm Hitler. You understand me? So get your stuff and get your asses on the field. I mean, that's the kind of like, it's a disgusting thing, but it's more like in a weird way, like oh, he's Hitler. What, what a crazy guy. That is something that perhaps maybe 30 years ago, they might not have even quote unquote joked about. And yeah, th- this guy is not supposed to be a good guy. That's something that shouldn't be lost on this film. These are not good kids in that they're not uh, heroes to look up to, but the coach himself and he's always drinking and they don't address that at all so i'll say that this particular version of it does not stand up it's still a fun movie though i I say that there's a lot of fun stuff but i will say that the original Linklater uh 2005 film does fix some of the problems with this one that does not stand up so you might enjoy it but similar story to to the original What, what do you think of that eli 
I think that maybe now I may watch it. Maybe on like a streaming service or something. It's not on any streaming service. This is crazy to me, and I could go on a rant about this. These movies are Paramount movies. We just signed up for Paramount Plus. They're not on Paramount Plus. I actually meant to say this when we were talking about the Godfather trilogy. Those are huge movies in the Paramount catalog that are not streaming on Paramount Plus. Like, I think Paramount is like dropping the ball and could get more subscribers if they like got some of these movies that are in their catalog and put them on their service that might incentivize people to subscribe. I only subscribed because there was a deal. It was like $2 a month and uh, my daughter really wanted to watch Clifford the Big Red Dog. I think they're waiting for Godfather because there's some new series about the Godfather that they're releasing. And I think they're probably going to re-release everything together. That, that's my guess. Maybe, but it's just dumb. Like everyone's talking about it for the 50th anniversary. I guess less people are talking about Bad News Bears now, but I think that's weird. But yeah, listen, if you want to watch the remake, I'll, I'll watch that with you. Maybe we'll get to it. Not something you have to watch immediately, but uh, what do you think, Al? Uh, does 1976 Bad News Bears, the Bad News Bears, mm-hmm. does it stand the test of time? One thing I do want to say about this movie that I think is really good is the way that they shoot the baseball scenes. I thought it was very, like, realistic. It felt like I was watching baseball and not like the movie version of baseball which is different like when you're watching a movie about baseball like every time there's a pop-up you know it's like in slow motion and you see the person in the outfield and they look up and then you see the ball and it's it's shot and edited in such a way that yeah you know you're watching the movie version of it and this movie just felt like you were watching kids play baseball And I appreciated that. I thought that that was cool and relatable. I agree completely. I think the sounds were completely different. They didn't have that crack of the bat whenever professional players or, you know, maybe even in the sandlot or whatever. That's not the sound you heard. You heard the realistic little league sounds of a, of a baseball hitting a bat. I thought I agree with you completely that it was filmed a lot more realistic. Yeah. And they, they do a lot of like handheld cameras. So it feels kind of more like, rough and tumble and sometimes just like kids get out and it's not like a oh no there's an out well there's only two more outs to go because this is baseball like yeah we get it we understand and sometimes like outs happen quickly and that's what happens in this movie and I I did appreciate that and we didn't really talk about the Buttermaker Amanda relationship and you know there's like a scene when they kind of have a fight They like each other, but they have all these resentment towards each other. And then she walks away crying and then he's in the dugout crying. And that could come across as really sappy. And it kind of doesn't. I think Walter Matthau is actually a pretty damn good actor in this movie. I know he's famous uh, for lots of movies and TV shows that he did. I don't really know a lot of uh, his work, but I thought he was good in this movie. I watched this film with my girlfriend and she had never uh, seen Walter Matthau in anything because she goes, yeah, this guy just kind of has this like grumpy face. And I go, well, wouldn't you know it? He was in a franchise called Grumpy Old Men and uh, the sequel Grumpier Old Men. She goes, yeah, yeah, that, that definitely fits this guy. Yeah, he definitely looks angry all the time. Resting grumpy face? 
Maybe. Yeah, I mean, he was Mr. Wilson when we were kids. As uh, Mr. Wilson, as in Dennis the Menace's curmudgeonly neighbor. That's a great role for him. Right. I think the thing that really kind of bums me out is that you don't really get to know a lot of the characters beyond Amanda and Buttermaker. There's the kid who likes to fight, and there's the kids who don't speak English, and there's the black kid who really looks up to Hank Aaron, and they could have done more with all of those characters and given them mini arcs, you know, like little things that they learn, and it's pretty perfunctory. Like, oh, the kid who likes to fight sticks up for the other kid. The kids who don't speak English... They don't really have any arc. They just don't speak English. And then in the championship game, one of them short. So he doesn't really have a strike zone. The other thing that I think really does stand the test of time, and I say this as a father and as an assistant Little League coach, is the use of the expression, the bad news bears. When you see kids playing baseball and they're kind of like all running into each other and six of them run at the same time to catch a pop-up and they all drop it. What do the people in the stand say? Oh, look over there. We got the bad news bears. Like that as just a phrase has stood the test of time. That is a thing that I have heard other dads, little league coaches, assistant coaches say. Even though I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying about this movie's faults, I am going to say that it stands the test of time. It's flawed. It's got problems. The way that they use those words and like a throwaway line, which they repeat three times, by the way. We didn't mention that. They say it three times, that one line with all of the horrible words in it. Like, that bothers me. But I think just as a story about kids playing baseball and they're terrible and they learn lessons along the way, it's close. But I'm going to say it just barely does stand the test of time for me. Oh, also, just by the way... It's kind of funny that we were talking about doing this movie like for opening day and then it kind of looked like there wasn't going to be an opening day or opening day might not happen till like May or June. And it's happening. We're going to have a full season of baseball. Yay. Yeah. And let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. This is our year, baby. 60th anniversary. But Eli, thank you for coming back on the show. You're welcome. You'll come back again? Yes. Okay. Do you have another movie in mind? War Games. All right. We will have you back on to talk about War Games. Have you ever seen that film before? No. Okay. I'll ask you right now if you had to guess, and you will find out the answer. There is a winning move in how to win a game of thermonuclear war. Do you know the winning move? No. All right. Well, we will see what the winning move is in how to win thermonuclear war. What's thermonuclear war? What's the difference between thermonuclear war and nuclear war? Uh, it's, 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 it's a lot hotter. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. I thought maybe you dropped bombs and thermometers. Thermometers? Yeah. Mercury poisoning? I don't know. Um, But Eli, thank you very much for joining us. We'll definitely have you back on to talk about war games. But that's going to do it for us this week. Come back next week when we will be talking about in and out starring Kevin Kline, who we last saw as the president in Dave, right? Yeah, unless we saw him as something else. I don't know. (laughs) very non-committal answer i like it Uh, but of course in the meantime we want to hear from you guys here at test of time pod on facebook twitter and instagram let us know your thoughts about baseball movies and bad news bears and little league and kids saying curse words and kids saying crud and we'll see you next time everybody bye goodbye